Oh, to the ladies, oh, to the gentlemen, to the fellas, the fellas, the fellas, the first final thoughts, final picks show of the week for DraftKings, for DFS, for SuperDraft, for a new sponsor today that we'll get into, for Jock Market. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Huge week ahead. We've already covered a ton from Showdown Slates to the betting markets this week, to the season-long starter sit stuff, and now we're here to kind of just wrap everything up in a YouTube video. Not 100% completely. We'll be diving into strategy and all that stuff, stacking and how to take down these big GPPs on DraftKings and SuperDraft and all that stuff. We'll be talking about it on the Closing Thoughts podcast on Patreon over the weekend, but a lot of it's going to be covered here because we're going to go position by position. I have 22 pages of game-by-game notes. They're going to be on Patreon later today on Friday as I record this. 22 pages of that paired with my projections and rankings. A bunch of this stuff, you're going to factor in stacking and all that, has gone into this brain of mine here, and we're going to talk about it on this show right now. Not all 22 pages, of course. If you want that full, you're going to be seeing it today if you're a Patreon. If not, you can sign up down below on Patreon. You can see the link, all that stuff. You can come support over there. A lot of people had a huge day. Somebody winning $47,000, somebody winning $7,000, a bunch of people hitting 1 to 2K from the showdown slate last night as I record this. Fun game. Football is back. I hope you're all having a great day. Hope you got a chance to watch the football game. But if you didn't, catch a replay or get settled down because we have a huge slate of games. 12 full games from 1 to 4 p.m. is going to be coming down for us on Sunday. So I got a second of your time. If you're brand new, a lot of people, a couple thousand of you these last couple days have been finding me, subscribing. Appreciate all that. If you're listening on the podcast, there's a lot of live streams that we do on this channel for a week now. My schedule is pinned up on Twitter at DFS. Be sure to check some of those out. But yeah, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. The notification bell will let you know when I'm going live so you don't miss them. A lot of people don't like hitting that. Well, then you, you miss a live stream. That's on you, right? No, so don't, don't be that guy. So hit all that, like, and subscribe. But we got a brand new sponsor that we're going to be bringing into the Sal Vetri, the Vetri Media family. And I'm very excited for it because it's something that I believe in, right? I'm somebody who has investments in the stock market. I have a financial advisor. But the idea of obviously having the sports world come into the stock market and the stuff that we love in DFS and fantasy sports become some sort of a stock market prize that you can buy into stocks of these players and actually see their production. And you think that you're going to be better than their projections and you think that my projections are good enough well then here's the time to put your money where your mouth is buy stock in that player think that they're going to outproduce their rank for this week where they rank in terms of overall fantasy points among all players well you can do that because of jock market right now so i partner with jock market because it's where daily fantasy sports becomes a stock exchange you can literally buy and sell shares of players in real time for cash real money they have free contests they have a 1200 free contest this week but you can buy and sell shares of players now i have the app it's an app download it's a fantastic app to work through is very nice and i'm going to be entering my first cash contest this week I cannot wait. They have contests in NBA and PGA. And if you like the PGA, Rick Run Good has some videos on his channel about it. Jock Market, it's legit. Here's the thing. I'm very excited for this. They actually opened up cash games very recently where you can actually put real money up and actually put stock into your players, not just coins and stuff in the free contest. But if you want to, if you want to try it out for free and get the hang of it, you can do that as well. So now you can literally make money every hour, every single second, because you can buy low and sell high on players live during the games. They set up their IPO. It is not out yet. It's going to be out over the weekend, their initial public offering. That's going to be the prices of these players. So if you see a price on a player and it's going to correlate, let's just say $7 means that this guy on average is going to finish 15th overall in fantasy points this week. If you think, you know what, I think he's going to finish top 10. I'm buying those shares because at some point I could sell high on them. Or if he does finish top 10 and he finishes there, I get to take the profits of that. That's how this is going to work. It's going to go on a rank based off of their overall projection and fantasy points. I have right now the expected rankings based on projections on the screen. If you can see it for the quarterbacks, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see, for example, Carson Wentz, 20th overall is expected to finish 20th in total fantasy points amongst all positions. Lamar Jackson is expected to finish first overall amongst 
amongst all positions. I personally have Christian McCaffrey in my personal rankings first overall. So I got my rankings and projections on Patreon. So right now there's a little bit of inefficiencies. There's always going to be inefficiencies in every single market. No market is perfect, right? Information is not always perfect. So be sure to check out Jock Market. Download the app today and play. It's in the app store, Jock Market. It's Android. It's coming soon. So be sure to check that out. I am very excited for it. They have free contests over there. They have the cash contest. It's going to be fun. It's a whole new aspect of DFS that you probably never played before. You're going to take a little while to get the hang of it, but it's very fun to get you introduced to the stock world. So maybe get more introduced into that and experience in that as well. It's going to be a totally different way to play. Be sure to check it out. It is Jock Market. But if you're looking at it, it's Jock MKT, pronounced Jock Market. Go get it in the app store today. So let's start this bad boy up, jumping into the quarterback position right now, where you're going to see as of right now, I have interest in about 14 different quarterbacks. Anywhere from like 10 to 14 is fine for stacking purposes. There's 12 games on this slate. There's no buys or anything like that. So quarterback ownership is going to be overall naturally spread out. Maybe one or two guys will hit 10% ownership. It doesn't seem like anybody's popping off to 15 to 20% ownership or anything like that this week. I'd expect guys like Lamar Jackson for their overall total projection to probably hit around 10%, but everybody else should be pretty mild. So we're going to start by looking at Carson Wentz right now. Carson Wentz goes up against the Washington Redskins defense, who actually I think are decent in the Vegas odds right now. He has a little bit of a banged up line, shifting around guys like Jason Peters. Last year, Philadelphia had a 34% pass blocking advantage overall. I don't expect that to happen again if you take all last year's offensive line and put it on this line, because obviously they don't have the same players. They don't have Brooks. They have another guy on their offensive line that's injured right now. Chase Young is now in the defensive line of Washington. Washington last year ranked overall top 20 in pressure rate, 18th to be exact. And they're probably going to be a little bit better this year with a 31% pressure rate because of Chase Young being there. Wentz's best PFF game last year actually was against Washington in week one, where Deshaun Jackson got revenge against the Washington Redskins and just went absolutely off before getting injured really shortly after that. Last year, the Eagles were seventh in passing plays per game at 40.6. Those are all really nice things to be seeing. If you just want to look at it, the pace in this game is not expected to be all that good. Six point favorites for the Eagles with a 24 and a half overall team total. I like that a lot. Matchup against the Redskins secondary is going to be very good. Landon Collins, the only serviceable name really out there. And the big news right now, Jalen Rieger practiced in full on Thursday. The rookie who they were expecting to miss two to three weeks as a rookie looks like he's on track to play. So if you had any JJ Arcega Whiteside or Greg Ward shares, you probably shouldn't have. Now you can probably burn those shares. So it looks like Deshaun Jackson, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and you have now Jalen Rieger ready to go for Carson Wentz. They're saying Miles Sanders, Adam Kaplan, who's a very a good Eagles beat writer and serviceable one and respectable one. He's saying right now that the Eagles and Miles Sanders is a little bit of a concern with his hamstring as he's still just shadow practicing. He has not been going out there and taking any hits. He's in full pads though. So I'm not sure if that has changed since the report came out on Wednesday. So be sure to keep a close eye on that. But for Carson Wentz, looks like he has a full arsenal of weapons and he's just too cheap. And if you want to factor in ownership and things like that, yes, he's probably going to be one of the highest owned quarterbacks, but that still is probably going to be a single digit ownership because of all the games on the slate, because of how cheap everybody is. I think most quarterbacks are going to come in between like six and eight or six and 10% owned. I don't think anybody's going to pop off. Carson Wentz is one of them. You have clear stacking options. The best stacking options to me right now, Zach Ertz and Deshaun Jackson. If you had to ask me if Miles Sanders is fully healthy, obviously he's going to be in my groups and things like that. Now we get up to Cam Newton who missed 14 games in 2019 and is making his debut in New England right now. Last year, the Dolphins defense ranked 32nd in pass rush and 32nd in coverage in 2019. They added some pieces in the draft. They went out and got a top 25 cornerback according to Pro Football Focus last year in Byron Jones. They're putting a lot of pressure on their run defense because it was not good last year at all. So what do they do in the offseason? They get Kyle Van Noy alignment. They get a defensive end in Shaq Lawson. They add some more to their defensive line. So they added a lot to this defense overall. They ended up taking the Auburn quarterback and an Alabama defensive tackle as well to sure up the run stop and to sure up their secondary where Nick Neiman was decent last year. So this defense overall should be a lot better, but it's made up of a lot of free agents. It's made up of a lot of rookies, but I'm not sure if it comes together week one against the Patriots, Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, all these guys in week one right away. And I actually do like what I'm seeing right now in the price points for the wide receivers to stack with Cam Newton. Early in the week, I thought he might just be a really good cash option. For me right now, if I look at my rankings and projections, again, you can get the full rankings and projections over on Patreon, link down below. My rankings and projections has Cam Newton as my number two value play quarterback of the week, meaning that he's a good cash option. Is there stacking options for him to actually go 
go ahead and get him in other formats? Yes, in my opinion, Julian Edelman looks like a nice stacking option. And Nikhil Harry looks like a primary stack for Cam Newton at just $6,100. His jock market right now rank is 16th. Do you think he finishes above 16th overall in total fantasy points this week? I have him at 20.2 fantasy points. I think he's going to finish a little bit above that. So you can go ahead and get some shares of it. I have him as kind of finishing in the top 15, really top 13 right now, right around 13th. So I think it's a decent spot to be taking shots on Cam Newton in all formats. See, the most impressive format is Superdraft, where he's a 2x multiplier. They have his multiplier right now as if he's a backup quarterback. So yes, go ahead and play Cam Newton on Superdraft. He's by far the best play over there. I have Cam Newton projected for seven more points than anybody else on Superdraft. They messed up his pricing. So go ahead, play Superdraft. $125,000 contest this week. Use promo code SAL to get a 50% deposit match up to $1,000 Ruskies and just play Cam Newton. That should be your quarterback. That's about it. Nobody else after that is even close to him right now. It goes Cam Newton and then Tyrod Taylor as my two best Superdraft plays at quarterback. And Cam Newton and I have projected for seven more fantasy points. I haven't seen that wide of a gap in any sport yet. Go ahead and take advantage of it. And we're going to go through all these players that I have as yeses. Don't worry, I'm not going to spend as much time on every single one of them. But the next one up is going to be Tyrod Taylor. Look, Tyrod Taylor is somebody who balls out when he actually has opportunity as a starting quarterback. He's my number one overall value play this week on DraftKings. He's number two on Superdraft. If you want to look at him right now, he's coming in 25th right now on Jock Market. I have Tyrod Taylor projected for almost 20 fantasy points. So yes, I think Tyrod Taylor coming in at 25th right now and expected overall value. I think he has the ability and I haven't projected to finish top 20. So Tyrod Taylor on Jock Market is something that I definitely want to go to. He's a strong cash quarterback, but he also has all the stacking options in the world. Hunter Henry, Mike Williams might be healthy, but Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, it looked like some very strong stacking options with the mobile friendly Tyrod Taylor himself, who's just $5,600. He's one of two guys in the five carriage that I actually have a lot of interest in. Cincinnati was bottom 10 in coverage last year due to many injuries. Added Mackenzie Alexander, slot cornerback from the Minnesota Vikings, but that's about it right now. They've added some other pieces, but not a ton. Expect 5% or less GPP ownership here. I think he's good in all formats this week. The pace in this game should also be very beneficial for a 23.75 team total. Next up, you get Matt Ryan, who looks like they're going to have about a 30% pass blocking advantage against Seattle, who loses to Damian Cloudy and does not have much on that defensive line anymore. Last year, Seattle ranked 30th in pass rush, even with Jadidian Cotty, and 18th overall in coverage. So not a great defense that their secondary should be shored up now, though, as they added a lot of pieces in the secondary, most notably Jamal Adams, who's going to be an absolute stud from the New York Jets. Seattle gave up overall top five passing yards last year with 263.9 per game. First in team plays per game was the Falcons last year in overall passing plays at 45.9. So you get a home underdog here right now, Matt Ryan, who's coming in now as a plus two underdog at home in the dome, has all the weapons in the world, is expected to finish 10th overall in jock markets right now pricing. I think that makes sense. I think that's pretty fair. He has the most clear stacking options in the world. You're going to probably see somewhere around 6% ownership in GPPs. I really don't want to go here in cash. It's fine. I'm not against it just because of the guys that we already mentioned. They're all below his price point. Some of them by over $1,000 like Tyrod Taylor. I think are better cash options to allow you to get better wide receivers or running backs. But Matt Ryan at this price point is $6,700. Julio, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst look like the clear stacking options. You can put Russell Gage in that group as well, but you're lacking upside at that point, in my opinion. And I'm not too sure if I want to be stacking Todd Gurley with Matt Ryan at this point. There's going to be correlation there, obviously, if he throws to him three or four times, but I'm not sure it's going to be massive correlation. I think a lot of the correlation or a lot of the points, I should say, for Todd Gurley are going to come on the ground. So I do like Todd Gurley this week, but a lot of my stacking options will be featured around the passing game, not so much the backfield. A couple more guys that are a yes. I'll point out Lamar Jackson. There's not much to say about Lamar Jackson. You know who he is. He's going to be probably the highest owned guy, but not anything major. He's the highest price guy. If you want to lock in 25 fantasy points or so and the highest scoring projection for a quarterback, go ahead. I'm probably not doing it in cash. I'm definitely not. And GPPs, I don't find myself getting there. You know the clear stacking options. It's Mark Andrews and or Hollywood Brown. That's about it. I'm probably not going to be playing a lot of Lamar Jackson this week. It doesn't really scare me because I can get up to other guys who are going to be high scoring at their positions, like all the running backs, like all the wide receivers. And I like having that extra $2,000 to do so, by just not going and paying up for the only guy who's above $7,000 this week. And he actually ends up being $8,100. I'll point out Mitch Trubisky at $5,400 that I like a lot. Mitch Trubisky this week, Chicago's going to have an 18% pass blocking advantage. Detroit's defense to added a lot of old aging veterans, but nothing crazy. Their defense last year ranked 29th in pass rush and 27th in coverage. They addressed some things this offseason. They added James 
Jamie Collins. They added Desmond Trufant, the former Atlanta Falcon, who I personally don't think is that good anymore. They added Danny Shelton and they drafted third overall Jeff Okuda. So I think their secondary is going to be a little bit more shared up, right? You get Jeff Okuda. I think Jamie Collins is a clear add right there and a benefit, but I don't think they did a ton overall. I think they overpaid for a lot of veterans that they probably shouldn't have. Detroit finished dead last in passing yards allowed per game last year, 284.4 per game. Mitch Trubisky in his last three starts against the Detroit Lions has overall that week in quarterbacks finished top 10 in fantasy with two top five finishes and one top two finish. So he balls out against these guys. The best time to actually want to get to Mitch Trubisky is probably at the start of the year when things haven't fallen apart yet against a really bad defense that he usually does well against. So I like this here for Mitch Trubisky. I like the stacking options. Allen Robinson is one of the best wide receiver plays in the slate. We'll get to him in a second. Then you have some other stacking options there. It becomes a little bit more difficult, but Tariq Cohn, if David Montgomery is not fully healthy, correlates then and a lot of his receptions and production come in the receiving game. You have Anthony Miller as well. So yes, I think that Mitch Trubisky is going to be an interesting stacking option. And by the way, all of my stacks this year, I'm doing quarterback plus two pass catchers. Yes, one could be a running back and running it back with one to two guys on the other team. Those are all of my lineups and GPPs. Every single large field GPP I do this year is doing that. I'm not going to not do anything but a game stack in GPPs. It is the best chance to actually bank a GPP. If you're playing cash, you obviously don't have to do that. If you're playing some single entry and three max in a small field, you don't have to go that extreme. But in large field GPPs this year, that is all I'm doing. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on the Closing Thoughts podcast. So those are the quarterbacks I have interest in. I also call out Philip Rivers. He's going to have the number one pass blocking advantage this week. He has the clear stacking options. I love Paris Campbell this week. I love T.Y. Hilton this week. I love Jack Doyle this week. They all have fantastic matchup against potentially on paper, the worst defense in the league this year against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's D-line ranked 18th in pressure last year, but they lost everybody, right? They lost their number two and number three sack leaders last year, one of them being Elias Campbell. They allowed average passing yards per game. The Colts team total is 26 and a half right now, which should be standing out and staggering to you. I don't care that there's a seven and a half point spread. The quarterback still looks good there. The third highest spread on the slate. They were fourth in passing yards in 2019 overall. Philip Rivers was with over 4,600 yards. So yes, Philip Rivers at $6,000 flat doesn't give you mobility, but it gives you probably the best cheap stacking options for upside with a high total in T.Y. Hilton and a guy in Paris Campbell and probably even Michael Pittman you could take shots on. But for me, it's T.Y. Hilton and it's Paris Campbell. You can see some of the other guys that I have interest in if you're watching the podcast and not YouTube. Stafford, Derek Carr, Gardner Minshew, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Jimmy G, and Teddy Bridgewater. I currently have ownership to in some sort of stacks, but right now I'm going to be shortening this up to probably just 10 quarterbacks by the end of the week. And I might actually exclude Lamar Jackson from this player pool. So now we head over to the running back position. So I appreciate it if you take a second of your time, like button, big old subscribe button. There's going to be a lot of running backs that I like. Obviously, I mean, it's a 12 game slate. So there's going to be somewhere, I would assume around like 20 plus running backs on this list. Right now we're looking at exactly like 18 running backs on this list. So that makes sense. It'll probably go down a little bit by the time I enter my max lineups, 150. And it's going to start off with none other than Christian McCaffrey. Yes. If you're playing cash, just put Christian McCaffrey in there. I don't think you have to overthink it. If you're playing GPPs, he's probably going to be the highest on guy. I'm expecting over 20% ownership on Christian McCaffrey. Stock market has him ranked at third overall in terms of where he'll finish in point projections this week. I have him first overall. So you got a little bit of a buffer there. Maybe you want to look for better value on it, but I do think that he's going to outfinish a third overall more times than not. But again, you're not getting a ton of value from third to first there. You will make money if that happens, but I probably would prefer to shoot on some other value. DraftKings is really a spot where I want him. $10,000 flat. It's just not enough. It's been three years now that these pass catching running backs have taken over the league with guys continuing to come out as elite pass catching running backs like Clyde Edwards Lair this year. Like we're going to probably see at some point with DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers, like Saquon Barkley's in the past. These guys can just catch passes and they're very good at doing it in multiple dimensions and DraftKings salaries are just not accounting for it yet. Christian McCaffrey and all honestly with his skill set and seeing over 400 touches last year and a thousand plus yards on the ground and in the receiving game should be over $11,000 every single week. But for some reason they can't do it. They don't want to put it there and he's still going to be a value in my opinion. He's my highest projected player this week. Expect high ownership, but it's fine for the 400 touch man in Christian McCaffrey. Next up is Alvin Kamara, who again in cash, I think it's fine if you want to pair him up with McCaffrey, even in GPPs. He's a top four running back play from this week. It just pretty much comes down to if you're playing cash or even GPPs and you want to just run the optimals because he is going to be highly owned. I think that you're probably going to have top five ownership at the running back position, top 10 ownership on the slate. And all these running backs are mainly going to be the high owned guys in Alvin Kamara. Definitely has a difficult matchup against the front seven in Tampa, which is arguably 
arguably the best in the league, if not top three in the league, but he has the receiving game to kind of bail him out there. It's going to be difficult to choose between Kamara, McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, Dalvin Cook, all these guys up here that I like. Miles Sanders, if he is indeed healthy, right? And you have these cheap end guys that we'll talk about as well in the 4K range, 4K flat, minimum price. How do you fit them all into one lineup if you're trying to build cash? I do like Kamara there. I do think he sees a minimum of 15 touches. His team has a 26 and a half overall team total as a three and a half point favorite. Expect 15 plus percent ownership. Alvin Kamara will be in my groups this week for overall stacks. I have him projected a little bit of a peek behind the curtain at 19 fantasy points. They are expecting him to finish sixth overall in jock market. I don't think you have much of an advantage there. He could easily finish first overall if he scores an extra touchdown. But based on my projections, I don't think you want to be going there all that much. Next up, Josh Jacobs. And I think you're going to find some value here on jock market. He's 37th ranked based on projections. I have him well above that. I've Josh Jacobs finishing as a top 15 point scorer this week. So as of right now, depending on when the IPO opens, that's where I would go. A 1.5 multiplier in Superdraft. I would also take that. Josh Jacobs looks good in all formats for me right now. And I'm really, really starting to like this. Look, Carolina did a lot of things this offseason to kind of improve their defensive line. They did a lot. And they also got some guys back from injuries. The big thing that they did was go ahead and get Derek Brown out of Auburn. You're probably going to see around 20% ownership on Josh Jacobs, but that's fine. Carolina's run defense is going to be much improved because of that Derek Brown pick. And there are concerns about his pass catching abilities and pass catching game. But as a favorite here with a 25 team total against Carolina, who yes, they have guys coming back from injury. They have Derek Brown. Their weakness by far, no questions asked. Their weakness is their secondary. They have guys that you have never heard of. And I have never heard of until this week playing in the secondary. So Derek Carr and the stacking options, we didn't really hit on them, but that's a very sneaky stack this week. The problem is a lot of them are rookies and Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards starting with a guy in Hunter Renfro, not the highest upside player in the slot. It's hard to really trust that. You have to trust the rookies at that point against a really bad secondary. It could happen. And those are the types of stacks that do win Millie Makers. I'm not saying it's going to, of course, but those are the type that do. But Josh Jacobs is going to be here. And I do think against a bad secondary, they're going to get into the red zone a lot, where Josh Jacobs saw over 50 red zone touches last year. So for a guy who's going to be about 20% owned, he doesn't have the pass catching ability, which doesn't make him as appealing as McCaffrey, but obviously the price factors that in. I also prefer Alvin Kamara, who's going to be $400 more expensive if you could stomach it and afford it. But Josh Jacobs, for me right now, if I go to my running back overall projections, is going to finish as one of the top running backs in my model for value. He is my number one value play this week, Josh Jacobs. So that means he's my number one overall play if you're trying to play cash games at the running back position. Yes, he's two spots ahead of McCaffrey. He's one spot ahead of Miles Sanders. You can get this full list for every single position updated with all the injuries up until lock on my Patreon link down below. Check it out. Support the stream. I'm probably going to be leaning to get Josh Jacobs a lot more right now in Superdraft where he's my top projected player by three points. And I'm probably going to be trying to get shares of Josh Jacobs right now on Jock Market. So I prefer him number one on Superdraft, number two on Jock Market, and number three on DraftKings. I'm going to have him everywhere at this point. Next up is Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook right now is expecting to pick up lower ownership and he is, but he still seems like he's going to push towards 15% ownership. Look, this team last year in the Packers, they were absolutely atrocious last year at stopping the run. That's how they got bounced in the playoffs when he most start ran all over them. Minnesota's probably going to have a positive run blocking advantage this week, but it'll be slightly, if anything, their offensive line is still, man, the Packers defensive line is still very good when it comes to pressure, but not good when it comes to run stop. They do have Kenny Clark out there still, but that's about it. They just had to put a linebacker who was a fifth round pick on IR. So that was like their only decent defensive draft pick this year. Yeah, the Packers, I don't think they're going to have much overall personnel, at least changing for run stop. So that's not great. Packers ranked 28th in run defense last year and 19th in tackling. That's no good. Last year, Dalvin Cook in one game versus the Packers, three receptions for 37 yards. That's very good. It's just bonus points. But then he had 20 carries, 154 yards and a touchdown. He had that big, long touchdown run. I think Dalvin Cook here is fine. The question is his overall price point, but that's why he's not his own. And GPPs, he's a nice pivot off of some of these chalky guys like Jacobs, like Kamara, even McCaffrey. You don't have to play McCaffrey in GPPs. I do want to play McCaffrey definitely in my cash lineup, but you don't have to play him in GPPs. It's a very strong option for the upside, but it is a different season. It is a different year. It is different personnel out there. You can save some money and go to Dalvin Cook, who I think has similar upside. And there you go. You just save $2,000 to pay up at wide receiver, tight end, et cetera, et cetera. Next up for me is Todd Gurley with his first season for the Falcons. I expect average ownership here, probably around 15%. Atlanta's probably not going to have a great run blocking advantage in this one, but they will be finally healthy on their offensive line, which they weren't for, I would say, 90% of the season last year with Chris Lindstrom, their rookie offensive lineman being out for most of the season. Seattle ranked overall middle of the pack and run defense last year. I don't think they're anything fantastic. I think they 
were just naturally better there because their secondary was so bad and people were trying to pick that apart. They were ranked 27th in tackling. So that's going to be good for Todd Gurley, who apparently looks good in camp right now. Seattle allowed 14 overall rushing touchdowns last year, which Todd Gurley himself had 14 total touchdowns. In 2019, Gurley ended up finishing with about 1,100 total yards or so in 12 rushing touchdowns, two receiving, and he did see 49 targets. He saw 50 plus red zone touches. So Todd Gurley in an offense right now, it's going to come in with overall a 24 or so team total. He is a pass catching back. I don't think people are really going to be behind him. Ito Smith, Brian Hill, maybe they cut into him at some point, but if anything, the week for Todd Gurley to get a full workload of 16 to 18 to 20 plus touches is going to be this week. I think he's a nice option. Here's a guy that I want to own. I ended up making him a yes instead of a maybe because the Colts have the number one run blocking advantage this week and it's 70%. I have personally never seen anything above like 40%. It's 70%. The number one offensive line in the league, the Indianapolis Colts for run blocking and just overall right now is going up against probably the worst defensive line in Jacksonville. It's going to be huge. And they're saying that Jonathan Taylor is going to start the year to spell Marlon Mack. So maybe you see six to eight touches. I think Marlon Mack is going to see 15 plus touches. And I think that he might actually push towards 20 plus touches based on the fact that his team is a seven and a half point overall total. Marlon Mack is not picking up any ownership. This is the ultimate GPP pivot. I think he's a fine cash play too, but right now Marlon Mack is not going to be picking up any ownership. And I'm kind of shocked by this. It seems like he's going to be less than 5% owned on all the projections that I'm seeing. I like Marlon Mack this week. Last year, Jacksonville ranked 29th in run defense and they lost a bunch of guys this year. Yes, Jonathan Taylor is back there and I'm a bigger fan of Jonathan Taylor than anybody out there, but I'm not sure he's going to factor in all that much this week. The weeks to get Marlon Mack in DFS or when he's cheaper than Jonathan Taylor, like right now for the first couple of weeks of the season. Marlon Mack last year in just 14 games went over a thousand yards. He went for eight rushing touchdowns on 250 plus overall touches. Question comes down to how many carries does Jonathan Taylor get? If you think it's only six to eight, even if it's 10 in a game like this, Marlon Mack can still see 16 plus overall touches in his pass catching game role. Yes, Naeem Himes is there. Jonathan Taylor can catch passes, but I still expect like two to three targets if you're going to be on the field that much for checkdowns. Last year, Marlon Mack against this Jacksonville team that has now gotten worse, 29 touches overall, 186 yards and three touchdowns in just two games in 2019. This spot for Marlon Mack is very good and it's going underreported. If you want a GPP pivot, that one dude at the running back position, you can go ahead and play him in cash as well. He's not the sexiest option at $5,300, but man, everything is lining up and the stars are aligning for a team with a seven and a half overall favorite right now, over 26 overall team total against the worst defensive line in the league. With this good of a run blocking advantage, yeah, give me Marlon Mack this week in GPPs. I actually like it a lot. My final yes is Miles Sanders, and we'll talk about some other guys after that. Look, Miles Sanders dealing with a hamstring. If he's going to be good, if he's going to be healthy, if he's going to be out there and ready to play, I'm going to get to Miles Sanders. He's going to be highly owned, so I don't have to get there. If I'm playing one lineup or if I'm playing in cash and the hamstring is still an issue and they're reporting that, I'm not playing him in cash. I'm going to get lower exposure in tournaments. Yes, I will. The price point is so nice at $6,300, but he's dealing with his hamstring injury. He was able to practice on Wednesday, but he was doing a lot of shadow practice. So Boston Scott, the backup, might get a lot more touches. Eagles are going to have a nice run blocking advantage here. You still had a Washington defense that ranked 22nd in overall run defense last year, top 10 in tackling though. But this is a great matchup for Miles Sanders. It comes down to itself. If he looks like he's going to be healthy, yes, he's probably a top three running back playing the slate. He's a strong cash option. But if he's not, things get sketchy. And if he remains at high ownership, why are you going to be taking that risk when everybody else is also taking it? The payoff is no longer there. Sanders was seeing top 10 yards per touch last year at 5.8 per touch. He ended up overall seeing 1,400 yards, a total of 1,400 total yards almost, which is just fantastic. Three touchdowns on the ground, three touchdowns in the receiving game. So everything comes down to his health. I like him as of right now until we get more news, Friday practices, Saturday designation, and then we go from there on Sunday morning. You're going to get to find out the inactives on Sunday and overall the status of these players. Miles Sanders looks like one of the best plays in the slate. He's projected right now in jock market to finish 26th overall. I like it a little bit more than that. Not as much as the Josh Jacobs finish, but keep an eye on that. Some guys that I do think are interesting now, some cheapies right now. Antonio Gibson, we know that we like him a lot, but I think there's going to be a pretty clear split here. It's fine. I think he'll get some pass catching work, but overall six point underdog on an 18 and a half point team total. He's not a guy that I'm locking into these lineups. He's fine in GPPs, but I'm not as high on him as I was at the beginning of the week. Chris Thompson is another name that we can call out here. Chris Thompson is a guy that I do think has a lot of upside this week. I think he's a nice option. Probably sees about four or five targets. Probably sees about six to eight carries. So if you're going to be getting 10 to 15 touches out of him with half of them being targets and or receptions, I do like that for Chris Thompson. It's also to point out Divine Azebo and Rykel Armstead are going to be out. Armstead right now is going 
going to be out because of the fact that he's on the COVID list. Devon Azebo just got put on IR. Jacksonville does not have a positive run blocking advantage. They're huge underdogs because of how much I just gushed over Philip Rivers and Marlon Mack and this whole Colts team this week. And last year, the Colts were pretty much average in run block. They were top 10 in tackling. But you have James Robinson coming in right now, an undrafted rookie who last year at Illinois State went for 1,900 rushing yards and 18 touchdowns, 364 carries. This guy is an absolute workhorse. And he also caught 16 balls for 80 yards. So you can catch the passes, but he's a damn workhorse and he's a very good one at that. Thompson's going to be the receiving back. He only had 37 overall carries in 2019, but 42 receptions. So you don't see James Robinson right now if you're watching on YouTube on this list. He's down here somewhere. You can see him right here at $4,000. My favorite $4,000 play this week based on my rankings is going to be James Robinson. Right now, my projections, James Robinson factors out as my number seven overall value. His teammate, Chris Thompson, is also in the top 10. I don't want to be playing both of them. Don't get cute with it either, right? These are undrafted rookies, or at least James Robinson is. You don't want to be putting all your marbles, all your eggs into one basket, especially at the running back position where you can lock in 20 plus touches with even guys like Marlon Mack in the five carry. James Robinson can very much go out there and get 16 carries and be a very good play this week. I only have him projected for about 10 fantasy points. That's a lot for his price point, but don't be jumping up and down for it. Sure, play one of these guys in cash if you really want to, but in GPPs, there's going to be a lot of guys going out there and getting 20 plus touches this week and being the full factor in the receiving game that I don't think James Robinson will be with a guy in Chris Thompson there. And those guys are going to be scoring 25 fantasy points this week when Robinson might score 10. So at the end of the day, if you want to win a GPP, I'm not sure James Robinson is actually your answer to unlock that because there's so much other value this specific week at other spots. And he's not the minimum price 3000 minimum price this week is 4000. So there's some names. I have a lot more guys on this list. Obviously at the running back position, we're not going to touch on every single one of them because we got other positions to get to. If you're still watching as we get to wide receiver and you think anything I'm saying, and I'm going to assume a lot of what I'm saying is informative to you, please do hit the like button, big old subscribe button. Be sure to check out Jock Market. Again, download their app down below. It is a stock market for daily fantasy sports. Buy low on players, sell high. That is the key to life. Collect the dollar rooskies and keep on enjoying your day. You can live bet this damn thing on Sunday. It's going to be so fun. The IPO is released this weekend. We'll touch on it again Sunday morning live stream to kind of talk a little bit more on that. So wide receiver is always the deepest. Wide receiver, I got so many guys. I mean, I literally got to think right now, as of right now, I have 30 players listed, but that's because of stacking. Every quarterback that I have interest in, there's going to be players in a group, right? If you make a quarterback right now, if you make a group with Cam Newton, you're putting James White, probably. You're going to be putting Julian Edelman. You're putting Nikhil Harry all in that group. I don't really know if I'm going to be putting anything else in that group right now. They're tight ends, right? Rookie tight ends and all that type of stuff. So we'll see if I want to end up doing that with Devin Asiasi and Ryan Izzo. I probably won't, but that's where you want to be looking. You want to be making groups. So yes, I'm going to have ownership towards multiple guys. I'm going to have ownership to more receivers and are probably on this list as of right now. But the guys that I like a lot for stacking options are on the screen right now. We're not going to dive really, really deeply into every single option, but we'll talk about some of these guys right now. We can start with Tyler Lockett at 6,500. He's expected to finish 53rd overall. I think you can get better value if you want to take that with an upside to it. Look, I like this spot. Over a 25 team total. I like the stacking options with Russell Wilson and a nice game environment in Atlanta. I have all the high total games this week. I think this might be the one that I like the most between game stacking options. He's going to be going up against Denard in the slot. That's a good spot. Atlanta really doesn't shadow all that much. So I don't expect any tougher matchups for Lockett coming out of the slot. Lockett last year, even dealing with injury and banged up, goes over a thousand yards on 110 targets. I like Tyler Lockett. Going down now to other guys on this team and DK Metcalf. Likely draws some of Isaiah Oliver, maybe some other players. Metcalf as a rookie last year, 900 yards, really starts coming on towards the end of the year, sees 100 targets. Oliver last year allowed over a 118 passer rating. Not very good. So Metcalf, Lockett stacks, they're well and alive right now if you're playing Russell Wilson. That's probably the only way I get to these guys. Maybe some one-offs of Metcalf and Lockett here and there, but a lot of my ownership to them is going to be in stacks of the Seahawks. Next up, Patriots wide receivers, because I like Cam Newton, so I'm stacking them. The first one, Julian Edelman. Like he's going to face that rookie Noah right now from the draft. I do think it's going to be a pretty nice advantage for the guy in Julian Edelman, although he's 34 and aging and all that. I think he's still got some game to him as a slot receiver. Edelman spent 67% of his slots last year in the snap. That's very good. So I think there's going to be a lot of upside there for him. These short and intermediate passes, he was never shadowed in the slot last year. You rarely see anybody. I've never really seen it getting shadowed in the slot. Maybe you get followed into the slot, like a guy like Keenan Allen when he goes there or Devontae Adams, but you're not going to be shadowed for 50 plus percent of your snaps in the slot. I thought Marlon Humphrey was doing it last year, but he ended up just turning into a slot cornerback. So yes, Julian Edelman is somebody that I like here. 
expect a lot of frequency here and expect Cam Newton to target him a lot as his number one receiver. And then next guy at the bottom of the screen that you can't really see right now, but I'll talk about it since I'm here on the Patriots is going to be Nikhil Harry. I think I like Nikhil Harry a lot in this situation. Nikhil Harry is going to have a fine matchup and it comes down to price point. Right now it's Nikhil Harry for me. If I go to my wide receiver projections, a little peek behind the curtain to see what's happening here. Nikhil Harry right now for me is a top 10 value play. I have him projected for 11 points at $4,400. He looks like an decent option on Superdraft, nothing crazy. But yes, Nikhil Harry at the price point that he's at right now of just $4,400 is going to be a top two stacking option with Julian Edelman for me this week on Cam Newton. I don't really want to play him as a one-off. I don't really want to play him in cash because it could be a little bit risky. The second year player, former first round pick last year for the Patriots in Nikhil Harry. I'll be getting to it. And I think it's a pretty nice option. Next up is going to be Marvin Jones, who might have an even bigger role if Kenny Galladay has been forced to miss with a hamstring injury. I like Marvin Jones. He's going to have a nice advantage against Kyle Fuller size-wise, a lot of it in 13 games last year while he was overall a top 20 wide receiver when Matthew Stafford was in for the first eight. In 13 games, he scores nine touchdowns and 62 receptions and almost 800 yards. His teammate, Kenny Galladay, if he is indeed healthy, Matt Patricia is saying we want to take it very slow and careful with Kenny Galladay. So if he's out, Marvin Jones looks a lot better. Even Danny Amendola gets a little bit of slack, but the fill-in for Kenny Galladay would be the biggest bump. If Kenny Galladay is in, I like it. He suffered a hamstring on Wednesday. He was limited on Thursday, so keep a close eye on this. He's likely going to face Jalen Johnson, who's a rookie. A huge matchup advantage. One of the best matchups on the weekend is going to be Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones against this Bears secondary, which might not sound like it's possible, but yes, that's what you're going to see just skill-wise and overall talent. Last year, Kenny Galladay ranked number one in deep targets with 37. Last year, Kenny Galladay had about 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns. He finished first in touchdowns as well. Chicago really doesn't use any shadow treatment. He's not going to be shadowed. They don't have a guy that can actually do that and take him away. There's possible matchups with Kyle Fuller. So I think it's going to be Jalen Johnson, the rookie, some Kyle Fuller, and I think Kenny Galladay, if healthy, and this team is going to eat. That's why Matthew Stafford is interesting to me. I don't love him, but I do think that his stacking options of Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are almost in borderline elite this week for their price points. So I do like that. They are both in play for me. I think maybe my favorite overall cash wide receiver on the weekend is going to have to be Chris Goblin. $7,100. Mike Evans is trending towards not playing or at least being limited in some fashion. He has the number one wide receiver versus cornerback matchup this week against PJ Williams in the slot against the Saints. So Chris Goblin, the plus size wide receiver who finished second in fantasy overall last year, played 63% of his snaps in the slot and saw a very nice 2.24 yards per route run. 75% catch rate last year and now is expected to be like under 10% ownership. Makes no sense to me. I think right now he's like a top three or four overall cash play at the wide receiver position. The price point's just too cheap on him. I like him a very, very good amount. Deshaun Jackson, I'm not really interested in playing too much cash Deshaun Jackson, especially if Jalen Rieger is going to be back there. But I do think Deshaun Jackson's at least worth mentioning. He's going to have a very positive advantage against Fabian Mareu. It's going to be a very good matchup. He's a strong GBP option. Look, Deshaun Jackson's not terrible for cash options. I do have Deshaun Jackson grading out right now as a top 15 overall play for me at the wide receiver position. So he's a borderline cash play. But I'd much rather play him in GPPs where it seems like his ownership right now is not actually catching up to all the hype that I thought he was going to be getting. Seems like Deshaun Jackson is going to come in closer to 5% owned than 15 or 10% owned. So I do like it. Deshaun Jackson last year in week one against these Washington Redskins, eight catches, 154 yards and two touchdowns. Again, that's not going to be any type of predictive for today, but it just shows you his upside. He only played three games last year. I do like him. They have shadowed in the past with Josh Norman, who's no longer there. He's now in Buffalo and he was not very good. Outside of that, there's not going to be anybody they're really going to shadow him with. So Deshaun Jackson looks fine to me. Some other names to just point out right now. DJ Moore looks like a solid option in all formats. Yes, you should be starting him in your season long lineups. A lot of people are asking me, should I start DJ Moore? He's a nice one-off option. He has a top 10 matchup on the week against an unproven secondary. He's going to be going up against Trevion Martin, LaMarcus Joyner, Arnetti, all these guys that don't have any upside in stopping DJ Moore. A man who averaged 9.5 targets per game last year and had 35% of his team's overall air yards. Terry McLaurin is another guy that I like. I'm not crazy high on him. I think he's a fine cash option. I like his upside as well. He's going to go up against Avante Maddox and Darius Slay and these guys who I don't think are good. Yes, you heard that right. I don't think Darius Slay is good. He finished outside the top 100 overall cornerbacks last year in coverage. That means you're on the downturn of your career. Very similar to Xavier Howard, who kind of just fell apart as well after he had one bad year. And now he's had about two to two and a half to three bad years. McLaurin's going to line up all over the place pre-snap. I think it's a fine spot to target him against any of his matchups. Nickel Robbie Coleman in the slot might actually be his most difficult matchup, but I think he'll actually be there the least this year. And then you can see some other guys on the screen. I think Devontae Adams right now is my number one overall wide receiver 
play at $7,300. Devontae Adams is $1,000 too cheap. He's literally going to produce very similar numbers week in and week out to Michael Thomas this year, in my opinion. And he's starting out this week way, way cheaper. I don't really have much interest in Michael Thomas because I can get Devontae Adams, who I have as a better overall value play for $1,700 cheaper. He'll likely see a lot of Holton Hill. Who? Yeah, that's not going to stop Devontae Adams, in my opinion. Minnesota did use shadow treatment last year with Xavier Howard, who is not, no longer there and is also no longer good. And it did not work last year. Devontae Adams has eaten Xavier Howard's lunch every single time that they have played. Other guys that could face him are guys like Mike Hughes last year, who was okay. He allowed a 99.8 passer rating, which is nothing fantastic. It's going to be a very bad secondary this year with not a lot of depth in Minnesota. Devontae Adams is going to see a huge target share, especially in the red zone. Go get yourself some Devontae Adams in cash and really a lot of formats right now. I talked about the pass catchers that I like and overall stacking in Indy. Yes, I do. I like T.Y. Hilton. There's a lot to like there. I like a guy in Paris Campbell. I'm going to have a lot of shares of Paris Campbell and GPPs this week. He's only $3,900. He grades out as a very nice play for me out of the slot. The slot plus, sort of like a Chris Godwin mold coming out of the slot. He's going to have a decent matchup or a difficult matchup, kind of, against DJ Hayden, but it's nothing crazy. I think Paris Campbell can easily beat that out. Paris Campbell looks like my favorite cheap GPP option at the wide receiver position. T.Y. Hilton probably going to see some overall Trey Herndon, which is a strong matchup for him. T.Y. Hilton right now is coming in with a lot of ownership, though. Like he's probably going to be one of the highest owned wide receivers. So that's a little bit of a concern. I like Paris Campbell. I like him as a stacking option. We're going to talk about tight ends and Jack Doyle. So these guys, the Colts, look pretty good to me this week. And then I could just touch on the Atlanta guys and Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, right? Allen Robinson, I should also point out, looks like a top five wide receiver and a very strong option in cash formats at just $6,500 Ruskies. He's my third rated overall value play at that wide receiver position. I talked about liking Mitch Trubisky, the number one stacking option with him is going to be Allen Robinson. And you can see the long list on YouTube of all the other guys that I have some interest in. But I didn't mention a guy that you like or you think is a very good stacking option. He's probably on this list somewhere down here. And although this is the final thoughts, my exposures and all my lineups are nowhere near in right now. It's only Friday. You think I have everything solved and figured out now? No. I mean, ownership projections, injury news, a lot's going to change. But that's where I'm at with wide receivers. It's a lot to talk about. Let's finish this bad boy up with the tight end position. Be sure to hit the like button. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. Support the sponsors of the show. Jock Market. Very interesting. I should actually call out some wide receivers that I think have a lot of upside based on where their Jock Market points are currently having them finish. And the easy answer for me is Chris Goblin. I think Chris Goblin's ceiling this week is finishing top five in overall fantasy points. I think his projection is finishing somewhere around 20 to 25 overall. He's coming in with an overall projected rank of 40. So if he outproduces that 40 and he finishes 25th overall, you are cashing in the mega dollar rooskies if you own shares of Chris Goblin at his original IPO opening. So be sure to check Chris Goblin out. I think he has a lot of upside there. I think a guy in Paris Campbell who's not even in the top 120 ranks has a lot of upside right now as well, especially because of his slot plus role in the red zone to score a lot of points. So Chris Goblin stands out. A lot of these players stand out. Terry McLaurin at 67 overall. You're going to find a lot of overall variance and upside to the wide receiver scoring. That's a spot that I would definitely be targeting. Let's finish it up right now with the tight end position. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Like button, big old subscribe button. Support me over on Patreon if you'd like to get all these rankings, projections, and a bunch of other stuff. 22 pages of game-by-game notes have gone out today. So much other stuff. Closing Thoughts podcast over the weekend as well to talk about the stack percentages that I'm getting, how I'm doing it, all this type of stuff. Guys, I'm avoiding, fading, pivoting, all that stuff. Tight end position right now. We're going to be starting it off. I got only four guys listed as yeses, but I have interest in about 12 to 13 tight ends. I'll probably have ownership to around there based on stacks and things like that. But starting it off right now with Zach Ertz, likely going to face Landon Collins in the secondary, but obviously not a man-to-man matchup. Get a lot of linebackers in the short to intermediate range. I do like Zach Ertz this week. He looks a little bit worse if Jalen Rieger's out there and they actually have some depth, but it's fine. Last year, he had 134 targets, 916 yards, and 88 receptions. He's just an absolute beast. And at $5,800, he's going to look very, very good. Next up is Hayden Hurst, the new addition in Atlanta. His first year in Atlanta replacing Austin Hooper. He's likely going to see some KJ right in the secondary. It's a fine matchup for Hayden Hurst. 
at $4,300 in this nice of a game environment, I do think that you could see right off the bat Hayden Hurst seeing six to eight targets. I don't think it's out of question. Last year as a backup, he was overall very efficient and effective, and he only ended up seeing a 39% snap share. Last year, you had Hooper playing 73% of the snaps. So a lot of room to improve in overall usage in this offense. He caught 30 balls for 349 yards and two touchdowns as a backup and maybe even a third string snaps wise in Baltimore last year. So I expect a lot of Hurst on the field this year. The price point is just too nice. His overall projections right now are grading out very nicely in my model and my rankings. Zach Doyle is going to be the next guy up. It's the trend. It's going to be a very good spot to pick apart Jacksonville this year. We might as well start week one when a lot of their guys outside of T.Y. Hilton are appropriately to low owned. Zach Doyle is definitely going to pick up some ownership, but I'm not sure it's going to be crazy. Like nothing near 15%. I think it'll probably be around like 8% owned or something. So I think tight end, just like quarterback ownership, is going to be pretty spread out. He's going to go up against Miles Jack and some guys in the middle of the field, but not really any competition other than that. And the red zone, he looks like a good option. Trey Burton just went down on IR as well for the Colts. So it looks like a very nice spot to take advantage of a $3,000 price Jack Doyle. Looks like probably the cash play of the week if you want to go down and punt a tight end. So it looks like a strong option. George Kittle. I made him from a maybe to a yes. Here's the thing. He's very expensive, but I don't think it gets any better of a matchup than George Kittle against this Cardinals team. But the Cardinals did do some things. Obviously, a top 10 overall pick, a linebacker safety kind of conversion player to try and stop the middle of the field defense that they had that was terrible. But it looks like Debo Samuel is trending towards not playing. Brandon Ayuk trending towards questionable as well. So keep an eye on that. It's going to be all George Kittle in the middle of the field with the, maybe your number one receiver being Kendrick Bourne. That's not good. He has a number one matchup on the entire weekend, in my opinion, in my model right now. He's projected for the most fantasy points in my model right now. He over Overall ranks out as my sixth overall value play, especially for that price point. That's pretty impressive. 23% slot usage last year and number one in yards per route run. I like him a lot. He only finished behind Mark Andrews last year for fantasy points per route. Those are my four yeses. After that, yes, I think Chris Herndon's in play. It's just a brutal matchup for Chris Herndon this week, but he's in play for a $3,300 price point, especially in GPPs. I do think that some other cheap options like Ian Thomas, who is trending towards playing right now, is definitely in play in his matchup against Oakland. He's probably, if he plays and is healthy, my second favorite 3K option behind Jack Doyle. Irv Smith Jr., 3,100. Logan Thomas, 2,800. These are only GPP dart throws in my opinion, but at $2,800, Logan Thomas, if he is actually the starter, like the depth chart says, and he had the camp that he did as good as it was. Yes, Logan Thomas is in a position at $2,800 to score double digit fantasy points at the tight end position. And that unlocks a lot for you in your GPP lineups. It's a little bit too risky for cash. Other guys worth mentioning, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson to an extent, and Dallas Goddard at the tight end position. That closes it up, gang. That is our closing thoughts show for week one, the podcast version. Hit that subscribe button. Leave a review for a chance to win $50 Ruskies. If you're watching on YouTube right now and you watch this whole damn thing, let me know in the comment section because I personally, Sal Vetri, appreciate you. Link in the description down below. Ways to check out Jock Market. Ways to check out Superdraft, the sponsors of today's show. Be sure to download the app on Jock Market. You go ahead and you can test it out and play it out. The stock market of the DFS world. You can win money every single day, every single hour, every single minute, just trading those stocks and buying low and selling high is the goal there, right? Superdraft, check it out. I have Superdraft projections. I have DraftKings projections on my Patreon. 22 overall pages of game notes are going out today and they will be out by the time you're watching this bad boy. This is a long one, gang. I know it, but I know you wanted all this information. If you're brand new here, I just put so much time into this video. I cannot explain how much time and effort it goes into these videos and the knowledge and all the notes and all that stuff, please do just give me a favor. Hit that like button, share it with a friend if you want, just saying it, put a link into your group message to say, hey, you guys should check this out. It's pretty good. Helps you out with DFS. I really appreciate that. Word of mouth marketing is the biggest thing to really help this channel grow. And also hit that subscribe button while you're here. Thank you so much, everybody. Appreciate you in advance. My name's Sal. I'll see you Sunday morning live at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Be sure to set the notification bell. See you then, gang. Peace out. Best of luck. I appreciate you all. And I'll see you in the next one.